Okay, so hello and FAT, so welcome and thank you very much for listening. Today is going to be another um, episode where we discuss the uh, ins and outs of the, the characters, the symbolic representations of what those characters might be and the message which the author uh, and the writer might have been intending for us to receive from a movie and specifically mainly Disney like I don't know about you guys but I'm loving Disney Plus at the moment it's uh, given me a very big reminder of a lot of movies I used to love when I was a kid and um, what I'm finding is that I'm just watching them in a really different way as an adult and that Although I did recognize the scenarios that the characters were going through, I perhaps didn't see it from uh, the emotional um, the emotional connection that, um, that I see it with today. And I definitely remember thinking back to movies and saying like um, that when other people cry at movies, like I, I didn't really cry and that the only thing that could make me cry was perhaps like the music that was in the background like if there was a really sad song I might get emotional based on the song and uh, I might get a bit emotional if I saw somebody around me who was watching it with me crying then I might find that uh, invoke some response within me but when I was watching the films by myself I definitely definitely just watched it for the uh, the humour for the action, for the interactions, and um, certainly didn't recognise the journey that the characters were going through and the story arc of the specific scenario that the that the the writer wanted you to see. And um, this particular episode today that I'm going to talk about is about Monsters Inc., which you know, great film. <laughs> one of my favourites, um, I wouldn't say it's like top three, but it's definitely up there and um, an enjoyable watch, even after having seen it loads of times, like still really good, still really fun to watch and uh, definitely one of the sort of Disney Pixar greats um, and perhaps perhaps a bit underrated than a few degree, like perhaps like it's not quite credited as great, um, but it absolutely should be and... Um, and uh, the graphics, you know, they're interesting, the, uh, the the visuals are good, but what I really want to talk about is the connection between Sully, who's the main character, who's that big blue, sort of like dinosaur-looking monster, who is quite human in his appearance, but very kind of gruff, and has like a, a rough, you know, rough around the edges, kind of not really polished uh, uh, appearance and um, is quite laid back and uh, comfortable with who he is. Um, some of the some of the hints towards that are um, early on in the film where there's a competition going on between uh, this guy Sully and Randall, who's his, like arch nemesis, who who has more of like a snake-like appearance and has a very like slinky way of walking and he's got power that you can just turn invisible and 
uh, his his motives are very well thought out throughout the film. So he's kind of more of a forward planning, more of a like uh, um, well put together perhaps monster, more of a slicker personality type, and um, in, is a, is in contrast to Sully. So both of them work at the Scare Factory, and Scare Factory, obviously you guys know what it is, but just to briefly describe it so that it helps to make this episode make more sense, there's um, doors that connect the monster world with the human world and uh, specifically connect you up, a monster up, with a child's bedroom that they can go into in the middle of night, um, which is their working hours, and... The monster goes into the bedroom, scares the living daylight out of the kid, and then they collect the screams. So the better the scare, the more the scream, and the more profitable that encounter was for the factory. So um, the the idea is that uh, the best monsters do the best scaring, and they get the most profit, and uh, they are the highest earners for the factory, and that's where that competition comes from between Sully and Randall, and um, Sully is the number one scarer, he's at top of his leaderboard, and um, is well respected within the community for his ability to scare, and um, how it's like he's recognised for his skills, and he's recognised for being a very scary monster and he's recognized for um for scaring lots and lots and lots of kids so he's like he's the record holder at the time he's like you know, top of the table um he's getting called in by his manager to say like come and teach the new guys how it's done because i want an expert like i want a pro to come and give him a you know a little bit of inspiration so that they know what to aim for so if the lifestyle that Sully is living off this um, this trajectory of being the number one is fairly reserved. Like you can tell that him and his partner, what Mike, don't particularly have the um, um, the 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 champion the champion mindset, and they don't have the the internal desire to be number one, it's not about the numbers for them, they're just doing it because they love it, and just doing it because they're good at it, and that's, like, enough motivation for them, like, they just like their job, it's just enjoying it, um, and so the competition isn't really on their mind throughout, although, uh, you know, they do mention it, it's part of the movie, like, it's important to them enough that they are having fun competing, um, so, Sully uh, you know, he, what do I want to say next, he is, he is good without even trying, that's kind of what I wanted to mention there, is that he is naturally very, very good at this. Now, the other interesting thing about that is that once Sully is not scaring a child, he looks like quite a fluffy little you know, he's not little, sorry, he's a fluffy big bear, and he's blue, and he's got spots, and he's got tiny
tiny little horns, and he's got a massive smile and like a very gentle exterior with uh, um, with not a very not a very scary um, not a very scary look, but more not a very scary manner to him, um, which is very different to Randall, his rival, who uh, looks scary, who. Uh, whose personality is, is um, worrying, who, who is developing a, a technique to, like, drag, scares, and screams out of little kids. Like, you know, he's, he's quite ruthless, he's, um, he's divisive, he's, uh, he's a scary-looking character, and, um, and he turns invisible, like, he beats you up and you can't even see him, so he's pretty scary anyway, whereas Sully is a more fluffy, cuddly, like, much more warmer manner, and, um, more friendly in terms of his approach, and the rest of the scare community seem to get on with him in a, in a, in a, in a way that's, like, you know, more, more respectfully friends, rather than respectfully, like, scared, um, in the way that they are with Randall, so with Sally they're a bit more like, um, um, a bit more, they're a bit more, uh, like the community are, I guess, a bit more connected on an, uh, on a, on an emotional level with Sally that he is, uh, he's able, his charisma and his personality is more personable. That's the word that I was kind of trying to seek out there. That much more personable. And then his his interest in not interest his interest in the child that comes out the door um, that gets trapped in the monster world uh, is much more of a loving, compassionate. Um, Outlook. He almost adopts Boo and takes care of her, puts bed, feeds her, like looks after her as if he was his own child. And and there's a moment where he thinks that Boo's been crushed into garbage, uh, into a block, and that destroys him. He faints like four times, and he can't speak. He's like so over overwhelmed with his emotions that he's upset about this moment that potentially he's just uh, uh, lost this child that he had no long-term connection with it's just a few moments where he's where he's been looking after her since she came to the door and he's built such a strong bond between him and this child that he couldn't see this child go through any harm uh, he's willing to go through quite a lot to prevent Boo from any harm, including banishment, including losing his job, including giving up the scare record, including leaving his best friend Mike in the middle of the mountains, including including taking on his arch nemesis, you know, head on. Like he, he actually he actually fights with Randall to keep Boo safe. Um and so many, many hurdles that he has to go through, um, which just shows his level of dedication to his compassionate love. And 
this exact, exact same child is the one that Randall has no compassion towards and just sees as a screen-producing asset that he can strap into a chair, put a little suction cup onto her face and, and, and drag the screams out of her until he um, uh, revolutionises the scaring industry and, and creates a creates a scaromatic 3000 that, you know, um, it, 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 it harvests the screams from the children with a, with a terrifying amount of, um, accuracy and, uh, quantity, like, the, the machine has, like, 12 canisters of scream attached to it that all get filled up, you know, that's the idea, is that you just, the, is the speed of the uh, the screen collection is on another level basically so uh, the the interesting let's see if I can pause alright so lesson learned I can't pause it parts and this is going to be part two of the Monsters Inc. Um, uh, episode so if you haven't heard the first part and you want to have the introductory scene setting um, then go back and listen to part one however if you have just joined for the psychoanalysis of the pivotal moment in Sully's um, emotional journey then actually you joined at exactly the right part so part two is the um, moment is a specific, we're just specifically going to talk about a moment in the film where Sully has his realization. So um, Sully gets called in to his boss's, you know, uh, office to show the new guys how to scare. And in my opinion, I don't think that this moment is particularly um uh major in the storyline of the film but this was the moment that's major for me and, uh, and that's why I've picked this moment out because I think that perhaps this is what the film's all about and uh and this is the new part of the film that I'm not seeing for the first time but really watching for the first time. Like I'm observing them for the first time. So Sully is in the boss's office. He goes in to scare the fake child in the simulator and Boo accidentally happens to be standing right next to the bed and catches a glimpse of Sully scaring the simulation child and scaring the simulation child so well the boss is impressed, the whole team is impressed, the new guys are all impressed and Boo sees him and is scared because she has only known the loving caring Sully that he really is. This is like who his personality really is. So when he goes into scare mode, he's becoming like it's his work. He isn't naturally like that all the time. He puts it on to be extra scary so that he can do his job better. Um, and, and he finds that easy. It's not challenge for him to just flip from uh, being the lovable 
loving, uh, sweet, compassionate, would do anything for Boo, caring monster who who could be capable of looking after a human child, he can turn into an instant into a scary monster who has perfected the art of screaming, growling, baring his teeth and uh, uh, invoking terror to profit and sort of get what he wants out of that child. Now, uh, obviously the moment itself is quite um, important because Boo sees that part of him for the first time um, and Sully tries to follow Boo and tries to explain to Boo that that's not really him and he's like, but you know me, like, you know what I'm really like, you know how nice I am, like, you know that I'm a, I'm a kind, caring monster and that I'm not really scary and he kind of tries to tell Boo that he's not going to scare her and he's not going to hurt her but she doesn't she doesn't see what he's trying to say she just continues to run away and hide um, from Sully and she can't see that he's reasonably logically trying to explain to her that his scaring was not intended for her, it was just intended for the simulation. Now, he he looks up at the screen in that moment in the simulator where they've got all the cameras set up so that the students can watch from their video prompters and they're watching him on the screen and they're all clapping and seeing how fantastic he is and scaring. Uh, so you can see that, you can see that, uh, that there's a moment where Sully sees those and on those screens is a paused picture of his face right in the middle of his big scare. Because he's right in the middle of his big scare, Sully realises in that moment that, like, you know, he is capable of that terrifying appearance, demeanour. Um, he's, he's, he's threatening the child with uh, fear of destruction and essentially the the fear of death is what he's invoking within that child so much so that the child has an uncontrollable scream and and uh and is totally scared of Sully and um you know it's interesting that everybody would be so proud of him and he's in a career where he's where he's meant to be where he's meant to be scaring the kids because it's so perfectly aligned with the experience that Boo has when she realises what a scary monster Sully actually is. So that that's really interestingly aligned, isn't it? Because his job actually is to scare people, to scare kids. And if we were to perhaps put this into context of the real world, like, you know, maybe maybe there's a there's a um, maybe there's a person, like a parent, um, or a guardian of a child who at home is very loving and very caring and compassionate, but at work becomes a, a a demon monster of a boss or perhaps a demon monster of a client or, you know, um, isn't, he, that has two faces and becomes a, a scary, terrifying monster version of themselves because that's what their work requires them. And, and like, 
like I was saying, Sully just sees it as a job. He doesn't particularly need to scare people. He's just really good at it, and that's what he's into. Like that's his kind of career choice and what he enjoys doing. But this moment is all about him realizing that he is in a he's in a career or in a job that completely 180 degree opposes his actual levels of compassion and need for connection to um, other living life forms that he, when presented with a child that he has to look after, he doesn't want, he doesn't see them as a scream producing asset. He doesn't see them as uh, um, a faceless, nameless creature that he he has no care for. He really, really cares for Boo, and he sees in that moment that Boo is every child, like, Boo is every single child that he's ever scared, and Boo is reacting to Sully in the way that every child has reacted to him throughout his whole career, and it never mattered before to him, it was never a problem, it was never important that he um, was terrifying these kids, because he never cared before, and he never wanted to care, it, it was never real for him, um, it was only just a job, and it was only just a number, and it was only just a, um, like a, just a, just a thing that he did, becoming terrifying and scaring kids, now that he has to actually look after one of his own, um, not has to, but is looking after one of his own, he can see that the version of himself that he becomes to be so good at his work um, doesn't allow him to also have the relationship with Boo that he would like. And... I'm just trying to obviously wonder about, you know, other scenarios that are similar. I think that the obvious example is parenting, that a dad or a mum or whatever can be a really nice, um, you know, kind, loving parent, but in that moment where something upsets them or annoys them, that when they shout or when they scream, the child doesn't understand that that's not really them or that they are just angry in that moment because there is no that moment. There is only the whole relationship as a whole. There, There is no moment. There is no deep down. There's no, um, you know, on the inside, you're a nice monster, or deep down, you wouldn't hurt a fly, or you got a heart of gold, or perhaps that um, there's 
misunderstood or maybe that the the parent just like lost control or flew off the handle in that moment like they're just that doesn't exist for kids they just they're only experiencing exactly what you show them throughout so can't can't really say can't really say to a child like that's not me which is what Sally is trying to say to me like I'm not actually that guy like you know the real me I'm um, sorry, looks like we're also going for part three as well and I'm just re-recording this third part because I did say it unfortunately but when I uh, jumped out of the car and turned my uh, engine off it disconnected the podcast and I neglected to look at the phone because I was just uh, assuming that it would continue to record so I was specifically specifically opening up about other scenarios that might be similar to the moment where Sally sees his own reflection and how badly he's treating the simulation child and sees in Boo's facial expression how awful the actions that he does for, for fun and for work really are. Uh, so one of the examples I was giving was um, eating meat. That like if you have a pet chicken, let's say you have like three pet chickens, and you love them and they love you and like you're spending time with them and blah blah blah, and then one day you like kill one of the chickens in front of the other two, they might they might not want to hang out with you anymore. They might not want to be friends with you anymore. They might um, see you in a different way. And I was talking about some other examples like if you're at work and you get angry at one of your staff and treat them badly for whatever reason you lose a little bit of faith and people start to um, know that the um, the times when you treat them well is is for your own just just to just to get 
the best out of them in that moment whereas uh it's not really about the about the love for for the other human being that um if you can treat somebody badly and um and try to say to them like but you know like it's just me it's the real me is not treating you badly um but they've experienced this part of you as well um I think it's quite challenging to to be able to convince other people, especially grown-ups, that you're actually a nice person on the inside, but just sometimes you treat them like so badly that terrify them or, or scare them and uh, make them feel small and belittled. That's a um, that's the adult version of it, you know. If you're if you're scaring or terrifying an adult, they might feel those negative emotions about themselves and might be an element of humiliation there for them. They may feel traumatised by it and uh, unable to see you in the same light that they saw you before. So, um, yeah, that's the example I was talking about at work. And my personal example that came up in part three in the first time that I recorded it was the way that I treated my mum. And I uh, got really angry at my mum and really upset with her because she was minimising my feelings. And and I was just expressing to you guys about how even though... Um, even though... Uh, sometimes we don't mean to get angry. In the moment that we do get angry, we feel personally quite justified in that moment. And I know that every single person who I know has ever got angry, and every time that I've ever got angry, um, it's always been with good reason and uh, not not for no reason. Like there's always a reason. But I just uh, like you know the lesson that that we're learning here is that is there a good enough reason to traumatize somebody and like you know even if you are king of the scare floor even if you are the number one like the question like is is there a good enough reason so it's uh that's where the that's where I kind of left off with my own personal example but what I wanted you to think about was I want you to think about I wanted you to think about if you were ever given an, a scenario where you were able to watch your behavior on a simulation pointing a camera at your face from many different angles and if you were looking after someone that you loved you was caring for somebody and you treated them in the way that you treat people or things when you get so when you when you mistreat people um, or things, let's just talk about people. So when you mistreat people on a daily basis, like the the worst thing that you do, whatever it is, like something that you do on an occasional basis, where I got angry and so I did this, or you know, it might be as simple as like you just withheld affection from your partner, or it might be as complicated as. Uh, you
um, vandalised someone's car or, or property in some way, or it might be that you that you scream, that you screamed at your at your girlfriend or your wife or something. You know, if you were in a simulation that had a video camera pointing at you from all angles, and you saw the way that you were treating that person, would you be horrified by your actions like Sully was? So, just have a think, have a look at that. You know, it's a bit annoying that I've had to do this over three parts for me, um, especially as I had to re-record the second part, so hopefully you didn't lose out on the quality because I kind of whipped through that and was a bit frustrated that I didn't get the first time, the first take recorded. But, uh, you know, I'm here to make lots of content. So uh, not a perfectionist, not aiming too high. It's just trying to get the message across effectively and engaging um, in a fun way for you guys to listen and uh, and learn and uh, uncover my uh, my psyche, my inner my inner feelings on the matter. So hopefully you get uh, a glimpse of that, and uh, that you enjoy my podcast. So I'm out and um, catch up with you on the next one. Let me know if there's a particular film that you want me to to watch and have a think about. Bye.